Welcome back to our series, That Part, Intimacy and MS, and this is Layer 7. Today we are joined by MS specialist, Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, for a conversation about sex and intimacy. And we wanted to add the disclaimer that this is a gentle reminder, some of this content moving forward may be explicit and not suitable for little ears. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Severe, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.severe, and you can also find him on YouTube. Welcome to the show, Dr. Williams. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, The last time we spoke with you in January, uh, we had no idea that we'd be here in this, uh, in the middle of a pandemic. So yes, thank you for taking the time out. Yes. (sighs) Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So over the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about intimacy and sexuality and self-love and all these things as they relate to MS. And I think so often MS patients are viewed as asexual beings Mm -hmm. um, who, you know, are not, sex and sexuality is something that are not associated with people who have disease and MS and disability and all those things. We know that that's not true. But all of that said, a lot of people, um, we find it challenging to bring up issues about sex, sexuality and intimacy, because, um, again, a lot of times providers don't necessarily make it that easy for us. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, how do you so well, I'll ask you and I already know that the question is yes, but is sex and intimacy something that you discuss with patients during a visit? Absolutely. So we actually discuss um, sex and intimacy on a regular basis with um, many of my patients. Um, Oftentimes they will report things to me um, or we may or I might ask about them in the course of a visit. Um, As you said, Mm -hmm. it can be difficult to bring up topics um, related to sexuality and intimacy, depending on how comfortable you feel with your neurologist. So that's why it's so important to good relationship with your neurologist because MS affects many different parts of us, not just the physical aspect in terms of weakness or numbness or tingling. 
Um, right. As a neurologist, sometimes it is difficult to bring up or focus on intimacy because oftentimes during a visit, we have so many other things to discuss. So for instance, yeah. if there's a follow-up visit, we have to review an MRI. We're asking, how is your medication doing? We may be asking if you have specific symptoms, how are those doing? We may be dealing with psychosocial issues like work or disability, and it can be mm-hmm. difficult after addressing all those things for that to be top of mind, which is why I often encourage my patients to keep a list of concerns or issues that they're having so that if we mm-hmm. miss something in the course of that visit, we can talk about them and often sexuality will come up. I think that also we as neurologists have to make our patients feel comfortable because it can be a very uncomfortable topic, especially for many right. of my male patients. They may not want right. to talk about it, but also for my female patients as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So. For, right. And you kind of touched on it just in, in what you said, but from an MS specialist perspective, how do you even approach mm-hmm. speaking with your about sexuality with your MS patients? I mean, I know it's not the first thing, but it's kind of a delicate situation. Mm-hmm. And some people are, are feeling vulnerable as it is. You know, I'm, I'm open. I'm telling you my, my life story. You've seen the insides of me, basically my brains, you know, and my MRI. I need to know how am I going to function physically or intimately. So how do you approach that topic with them? So oftentimes, um, as I said, I have a, a pretty good working relationship with many my many of my patients, and many of them may bring it up. Um, or if we're in the midst of talking about, you know, MRIs or lesions in the spinal cord, different types of bowel and bladder or lower symptoms, you know, then mm-hmm. I may ask, well, how is the sexual function, you know? Um, and so mm-hmm. people will tell me having specific symptoms, um, or their partners may offer, right? They may say, well, we haven't had sex in like six months, or we, you know, so oftentimes mm-hmm. it's a combination of, you know, having the patient bring it up, us having it come up in the midst of different issues, or the care partner who's there with them um, may also bring mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. I, that that's fascinating. And I think that it's, it's wonderful that you even say any word about sexual intimacy with your patients, because a lot right. of times doctors don't know how mm-hmm. to talk to you about it. And so it's kind of, it goes both ways. The communication certainly is on both people, I would say, because you have to feel that level right. of confidence, mm-hmm. like, okay, my doctor knows all about me. I need to be able to to speak with him or her about this topic. So the fact that you said, how is your sexual function? that That's wonderful. Um, can you speak to us right. about the work that you have done in the past with intimacy or speaking about MS patients and the bedroom or sexual function, functionality? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's this really uh, great program series that I used to do um, when I was in Augusta. It started there. It was started by Dr. Mary Hughes, who's my mentor and who was the head of the MS Center in Augusta before I took over after I finished my training. And so she and one of our local psychiatrists named Lara Steppelman, who is an amazing um, psychologist and does a lot of work with MS and intimacy um, and MS and depression, they actually started this program series and it actually turned into a really large program series about MS and intimacy. And, you know, there were all kinds of things involved. We had sex trivia. There were samples of things on the table. Um, we had vendors that would come in, um, wow. you know, with different 
wares. And so yeah. if you answered your trivia question, you could earn a gift certificate, which would kind of encourage people to go and learn about some of the things that were available. And so it was a really great program. And I'll be honest, the first time that I did it, I was a little nervous, you know, because yeah. we don't get a lot of training about it related to neurologic disease. We don't really talk about it a lot or, or very much at all in our training, you know, except for in passing. So it's really kind of once mm -hmm. you get out and start seeing patients, you realize that this is a huge issue that needs to be addressed. And I mean, we always had a packed house and we did the series in different parts of the country. Um, I know we did it in Florida. We've done it in Augusta. We've done some in Atlanta. Um, and so it's always been very well received because people just don't talk about it. And they're just very right. hungry for information about what causes some of the symptoms they have. But not only that, but what can they do about it? So what are solutions right. and strategies um, for helping mm -hmm. with sexual dysfunction? Mm -hmm. Right. As it relates to um, some of these issues um, that people have, whether it be, you know, um, psychosocial issues as it relates mm -hmm. to sex and intimacy or mm -hmm. physical issues, spasticity or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. At what point do you um, consider, um, I don't even know the word, prescribing isn't the right word, but um, recommending that patients see an OT or a PT to help them navigate these issues? Absolutely. So it really depends on what type of issues that they're having. Okay, so you can really break down sexual dysfunction into three categories. So there's primary, which would be something related directly to the MS lesion. So for instance, if someone had a lesion in the lower spinal cord and it caused, uh, for instance, a male not to be able to have an erection or ha to have difficulty with that, that mm. will be primary. Secondary would be more related to other symptoms of MS, like if someone has spasticity, they may not be able to get into certain sexual positions or they may be uncomfortable. Also, you may have um, bladder dysfunction and someone may feel uncomfortable having sex because they're concerned they may have an accident or lose control of their bladder. And then mm -hmm. there are... Uh, you know, tertiary issues, which are more related to self-image, just kind of consequences of having a uh, chronic disease and possibly having disability affecting your uh, relationship with your body and how you view your body and how you view yourself as a sexual being. So those are kind of three ways to categorize it. And the treatment or the relation to or, or referral to a therapist mm. would depend on the symptoms. So for spasticity, absolutely. Physical and occupational therapists may help with that, even for issues related to the bladder. Sometimes pelvic, right. um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, physical therapy pelvic can floor. help. Yeah. You know, pelvic training can help. So it really depends on the type of symptoms, but there is definitely a role for our allied health professionals, physical therapists, occupational therapists, as well as our mental health professionals, because depression can yeah. affect fire, can affect libido, um, mm -hmm. and can certainly affect, you know, sexual function as well. Yes. In a conversation that we had had not too long ago um, with um, on one of the podcasts with a member of the MS community, she had mentioned mm -hmm. that she had seen a therapist and um, she was just having some depression issues. And she wanted to make sure that the antidepressant that she was being prescribed um, would not affect or have minimal effects on her libido. And mm -hmm. it was as if the therapist was just kind of like dismissive about that. Like, that's not a real thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, that impacts your life. Absolutely. You know, that's not an, a, you know, a inappropriate question to ask about a medication. 
So, um, yeah, I think that ties into the fact that it's like, you know, people with disease are still sexual beings. And so providers need to be mindful of how all of that relates. So medication and uh, it's kind of a tangent, but yeah. So, absolutely. And yeah. but it's absolutely relevant. Right. Because. Again, one of the difficulties with MS is that we sometimes get into this vicious cycle, right? We know that someone has MS, they have a symptom from their MS. We -hmm. may treat that symptom, but treatment of that symptom may worsen another symptom, right? So if we treat Mm -hmm. for instance spasticity, if we treat nerve pain, we may increase fatigue. If we treat depression in some instances, and there's also already sexual dysfunction, we may increase sexual dysfunction. So it's a very fine line. I think the thing to keep in mind is that many medications affect people differently. And so, you know, when we're considering different therapies for different symptoms, it's important to kind of talk with your um, treating therapist, uh, physician, Mm -hmm. neurologist, whoever it is, and try to, you know, as to the best of your ability, you know, ask those pertinent questions because there are antidepressants that may not affect libido as much. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. many of the ones that are very commonly used and very inexpensive, to be honest, do affect it. So we have to figure out how we can how we can walk that fine line, Mm -hmm. you know, not to significantly worsen another symptom by treating one symptom. Right. When you spoke about the three categories, yeah. the primary, the secondary, and the tertiary, I, I if I may mm-hmm. get personal, I feel that I've been in that secondary and tertiary um, uh, role or category. I remember my mm-hmm. neurologist, who you know, uh, Dr. Creighton, she sent me to a urologist because mm-hmm. my bladder is still to this day right. is still kind of, it's better, but it's still a little, little weird. And I went to the urologist mm-hmm. and they were talking, she was speaking to me about self and we were, we will get into this later with the therapist, but about self catheterization. Catheterization. And that it terrified me because I'm, I'm comfortable with my body, but I think a lot of people haven't been able to touch themselves in that area or they just, don't. And so mm-hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm comfortable touching myself, but what does this mean for, you know, my sex life? And at the time I was active, I'm not now, but um, mm-hmm. at the time I was, and I said, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how this will get in the way of me having to, you know, use the restroom. Um, and I don't know why right. I, I didn't ask the urologist, but it was like a blaring question on my mind at the time and the appointment and I wish that that doctors would say, this is not going to hurt you. It's not going to affect you in, in any way. I, I don't know what how they would present mm-hmm. it to me or to a patient, but just open right. up that door so that, you know, you understand these are two separate situations here. So, and it is, it is right. possible right. To, to do that right. and have a, a functioning sex life because I just thought, oh, it's over. And then I mm-hmm. slipped into that tertiary role where I was just kind of like down and depressed and I didn't feel I didn't feel pretty I I felt asexual as you spoke of Dana I felt um mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I just wasn't I was just a person I didn't even feel like a woman if that makes sense and so right. mm-hmm. I, I guess my question wow. for you is how how would you encourage a patient like somebody like me in that situation how would you like throw out things to make me feel comfortable to even bring that up because 
you probably are aware mm-hmm. in the back of your mind. Yeah, I know they want to ask me, but I'm not going to say anything. Some some doctors may say that, but how right. how do you approach that right. with your patients? Well, I think you know. So I think one of the one of my main missions is to empower my patients and to empower people living with MS. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as I said. You know, when we have many different things to discuss, sometimes it may not be top of mind. And because it is really a silent symptom, if someone is walking fine, you know, and may not have some of the more severe disability, you know, we may not even know that there are issues with sexual dysfunction, Mm -hmm. you know, unless someone were to kind of bring it up, you know. So I think that you know, I, my goal is to empower people to say, okay, these are the issues that I'm having. These are the questions that I have, you know, how can we address those? So what I usually do is encourage my patients to kind of write me a list and we address, Mm -hmm. like, we try to address the top three or top five concerns that they have in -hmm. the course of that. So I kind of have my agenda, but I think that it's also important as a person living with MS for you to have an agenda for yourself as well. Because you know the difference between you sitting there in front of the neurologist and asking a question versus when you go home and get on that phone and try to call back, you know, it may take a very long time to get an answer, you know, and if Mm -hmm. it's kind of a, I won't say esoteric question, but if it's kind of a general question, Mm -hmm. then it may take longer to get an answer. You may not get the answers that you need. I think also that we as an MS community need Mm -hmm. to do a better job of making resources available that Mm -hmm. talk about and discuss these things. Um, because there are, um, you know, many of these things that are common to a lot of people with MS. And just like, you know, if you're in a part of a, if you're a part of a community, oftentimes people will say, oh, I have that problem too, you know, but we really need to open discussion. But I think, you know, again, you know, we as um, professionals have to be open, you know, which I'm generally pretty open with my patients, actually tell me sometimes (laughs) a little bit more than I want to know. (laughs) I'm like, that's okay. I get it. I get the drift, you know, but um, I think that also, you know, sometimes the onus is on us as, you know, whenever we're um, patients or receiving health care to be empowered to ask these questions that it's okay to ask about it and that you're not the only person that's ever asked about it. Because if you ask about it, then the doctor will probably say, oh, yeah, and go into a whole soliloquy about it, you know, versus if you didn't, you're scared thinking Mm -hmm. that you're the only person that's ever asked that. And you really aren't. Right. Right. Um, Just a a kind of random general question, Dr. Williams. How much education really do physicians get about counseling a patient about sex and sexuality? Like, is it something that, okay, that's, so, so sex and nutrition, sex and nutrition are the two things that are not covered very well in medical school. They don't teach Mm. us very much about nutrition at all. I think maybe we had like a two week class about nutrition. Um, And then you, we really don't talk about sexuality specifically um, at all. That I remember. So, I mean, certainly now I went a while ago. (laughs) It's been a minute. Um, But But there's not really specific information about sexuality and speaking about this and counseling with our patients. We learn about counseling people about bad news, about difficult mm-hmm. diagnoses, but we don't really learn how to talk to people, talk to people about sexual issues or sexual dysfunction yeah. at all. And that's something that's that needs to improve or change. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting because you can kind of sense if, you know, you kind of like if you're going to bring up something that's uncomfortable, like sex is many times with your doctor or your provider, you know, you kind of gauge how comfortable they are with the conversation. And it's right away you can tell if somebody's going to mm-hmm. be receptive to what you're talking right. about or not. And it's like, if, you know, how can we expect providers to be comfortable with, you know, really talking about these issues meaningfully if they don't even have the resources to, you know, to navigate it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. I mean, I think it really calls for a change in the way that we educate. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And providers. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it has come a long way since I started. So, like, mm-hmm. nobody was really talking about it. Right. Um, when I started training, I think that there are more people, there are kind of pockets of people around the country who are interested in it. But I definitely think um, that we need a lot more education, especially in um, the field of MS, because it really does affect people's quality of life. And we're just not talking about it. Yes. Enough, enough. Yes. And especially Mm -hmm. considering MS is a younger person's disease. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's just the reality. And so when, you know, I was, 24 going on 25 when yeah. I was diagnosed with MS. Don, you were 25. I mean, you're in the prime right. of your sexual lives. Right. And so that's not going to change just because you were diagnosed with the disease. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of like, that's a definitely mm-hmm. on the top of like, you know, the ADL list, the activities of daily living. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Is the thing. Well, Absolutely. I, I was in denial as you all, as we've spoken before for so long. Yeah. So it didn't, this topic mm-hmm. did not, it didn't come up until I was pregnant and I wasn't pregnant until 35. So mm-hmm. I had my son and that the only time that I discussed sexuality or intimacy and me having MS was with my OB mm-hmm. and not that mm-hmm. other doctors didn't want to talk about it with me. I just never brought it up. I guess it was it just right. wasn't an issue until, you know, closer to after my birth. That's yeah. when I really started having all of these MS symptoms just came at me at once. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the only time that I remember speaking with someone or, you know, a medical professional about, you know, yeah. MS and, and sexual function. And because he would ask me, okay, mm-hmm. how are you doing? Things like that. Or, Do you have sensation? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay. But little did I know mm-hmm. a couple of years down the line, that's when the bladder issue started happening. I'm like, I can't, I can't function. Right. I, this is so embarrassing. I'm going to, you know, go to the bathroom all over the bed. Like, this is awful. Right. And so I turned myself right. off. I think that that also is why it's so important, you know, for people to bring their partners in as a part of the conversation. I think mm-hmm. one of the great successes of the programs that we used to hold is that people would bring their partners So not only would they hear the information and some of them were married, some of them were not, um, Mm -hmm. but not only would they hear the information, but their partners would hear the information, you know. And so it's important to recognize, okay, first of all, I'm not crazy. This is potentially related to my MS, you know, number one. And number Mm -hmm. two, what are some solutions um, that we can do to work on this. So c- how can we see a occupational therapist, right? Or how can we see mm-hmm. a physical therapist to help with some of these symptoms? Or how can we see a sex therapist or a counselor mm-hmm. to maybe work through some of the emotional issues? So 
not only recognizing that the issue is related to MS, but also working on the solutions, I think is a very important piece for people to have a healthy sex life. And one of the things that we have addressed also as well is maybe we can adjust what our goal is, right? So is the Mm. goal of sex to have an orgasm every time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Right. Is the only way to achieve that through traditional intercourse? Are there other things that we can think of, you Mm -hmm. know? So kind of changing, you know, it's the way that I kind of counsel my patients about exercise. So when someone with MS has some disability with walking um, or maybe spasticity or fatigue in their muscles, I try to get them to change their view of exercise, right? So when we think Mm -hmm. of working out, working out is putting on your cute outfit, right? You're matching, you know, <laughs> you know, top with all the colors and your right. little Nike pants and your shoes that match and your headband, right? And you go to right. the gym and you do 30 minutes on the treadmill and 20 minutes on weights and go to a Zumba class and you're there for an hour, right? But right. exercise doesn't have to look that. We reframe our minds. Exercise could be three 10-minute sessions of walking, right? Increasing mm-hmm. our activity, doing some yoga that gets your heart rate up. So just like we sometimes may need to reframe some of our thinking towards exercise, we could in some ways reframe our thinking towards intimacy, right? Intimacy, being close to our partner does not necessarily have to end in the big, oh, you know, it could be other things that we do that still foster that intimacy. Now, I mean, we definitely, if if we can do that, (laughs) we would definitely want to do that, right? Right. But there are other things... (laughs) Oh, my husband's going to kill me when he hears this podcast. But um, the other things uh, that we can think about, there are other things that can foster intimacy and closeness without that being, you know, the whole point and us being disappointed if we don't reach that point, you know? Right. So there are all different kinds of ways we can think about it to foster intimacy as well. And that's where... The yeah, self, sorry, Diana, to cut you off, but that's where the self acceptance, self love, and being confident with who you are comes in because you don't have to always absolutely. end in, you know, ripping each other's clothes off or being naked because intimacy is so right. much more than the physical act. Yeah. You know, just, just sitting there caressing one another or having some sort of foreplay. Absolutely. And, and knowing what absolutely. touches yeah. feel good absolutely. or not. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and and good that you said that, because one of the things that I also often tell my patients is that, um, especially when they're first diagnosed, is that MS is not a death sentence, but it is an adjustment sentence, yes. right? So we often have to adjust to our new normal. But one of the things that is recommended, and I saw it in a presentation um, that you all um, had access to, as well as the one mm-hmm. that um, we have done in the past, is to talk about body mapping, right? So if you have numbness and tingling, you know, just kind of touching different parts of your body to see how that sensation has changed. Maybe that thing or that area that used to do it for you is mm-hmm. painful now, right? Mm-hmm. So how is our new normal, right? So kind of trying to figure out what our new normal is, what types of touch, what areas of touch um, are now sensitive to us or now painful to us and not just necessarily going with the thing that has worked for us in the past, you know, kind of helping working with our partners to figure out kind of what these areas are. And that will also help increase intimacy as well. Definitely. I think a big thing um, that we've been focusing on and something that was mentioned in um, the presentation that we sent you from Dr. Ducharme is mm-hmm. that you can't, you shouldn't try to recreate the past. Right. Period. 
And right. I think that is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we're, there's a new normal. There's a new reality. Right. And that's fine. It's just, it's facts. It just is what it right. is. So we can't try and keep recreating what we used to do because it's just different now. And that's fine. You know, exactly. you have to, you know, come to a certain acceptance that things are different. Let's keep an open mind and figure something else out. You know, exactly. adapting, you know, as you said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We adapt and we start where we are. Right. You know, and that happens for us throughout yes. life, period. You know, yes. I mean, like they used to, you know, I can't, you know, sit on the floor and crawl with my kids. Like maybe I could have it. Right. right. You know, so, you know, if I want to get back up, I've got to figure out different ways to do that. So, you know, unfortunately with MS, it happens a lot more rapidly than it does for right. us in our regular span. But there are ways to adjust, you know, um, but I think the key word that you said is acceptance, right? Accepting mm-hmm. where we are now and then saying, okay, this is where we are. How can we move forward from here? Right. Exactly. And also, I think being creative and just laughing, having a good sense of humor, because it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science trying to figure out right. what goes where. You know what I mean? Right. Or, or, what, or what feels good. <laughs> right. <laughs> so just be creative and have fun. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think there often can be a lot of pressure. Like our society is very hypersexualized. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, stuff that they will only show on like late night cable is like on primetime television now, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's this pressure to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. And these are the goals and this is what you should be trying to achieve. But yep. every person's path is different, you know? And mm-hmm. the more you can learn to laugh at yourself, um, and see the humor in some things, you know, the easier it will be to kind of accept those changes and to to move forward. Exactly. And it's kind of like you've got to let go of expectations right. and just kind of go with it. I mean, if, right. you know, yeah, you know, and the everyone's goals are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Your goals might just be, again, like we had talked about before, just being close with your partner mm-hmm. if you have one. Yeah, it doesn't. Mm-hmm everyone doesn't have to have the same end game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And even everyone doesn't have to have the same end game all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Every, Definitely. every session doesn't have to leave you hanging from the chandelier. It's, it's okay. Right. <laughs> or in our right. case, exactly. hanging from the wheelchair. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. Right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is Definitely. such an important, wonderful conversation. I I can speak for both of us. We are so appreciative yes. of your time and your knowledge and the effort that you put into the MS community and and really talking about this. It, it's amazing. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you all kind of shining a light on these things because, again, you know, there are things that people are afraid to talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. and have to be addressed. And when we address them and you see that someone else, oh my God, they have the same issues I'm having, then it empowers you to know that you're not alone and that you should be able to ask about these things if you have questions and to seek the knowledge to understand things better so that you can live well with MS. Right, exactly, exactly. And to not be afraid to bring them up to your providers because, yeah. Because the information is out there. Just have to ask. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. This is great. Yeah. So where can people find you, Dr. Williams? 
Yes. Um, so um, there are a couple places. So I do have a website. I just opened my own practice late last year. It's called Joy Life Wellness Group, and it is an MS center. And certainly um, we have traditionally done in-person visits, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are doing all of our visits um, virtually. And mm-hmm. we see new patients and follow-up patients. And also um, I do educational consultations because there are many people who may not have access to an MS specialist and they may have questions about topics just like this one, um, but may want to speak with someone about, um, you know, just kind of issues that they're having. And so I do educational consults as well. Um, And the website is www.joylifewellness.com. And then also I'm on Facebook as Dr. Mitzi Joy MD and on Instagram as the nerdy neurologist. So um, look me up. You can guys, you can check me out and then if a virtual appointment is appropriate, you know, feel happy, um, feel free to free, to reach out. Thank you so much. This was such a wonderful conversation. And um, please stay safe yeah. amid everything that's going on. And yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. And you all stay safe and stay healthy as well. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.